Men's World Cup 2023, Adam Collins with you, Cam Ponsonby with me. We're here for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City, more extra, less ordinary. And it's been an extraordinary day for Netherlands cricket. The Dutch have done it over South Africa. Cam, tell us all about it in 30 seconds. It rains. We're down to a 43 over match. After 34 overs, Netherlands are 141 for seven. The game looks done. It's going to mm. be the most boring, conventional 2-0 <laughs> defeat, comfortable that you've ever come across. Then Roller van der Merwe, Arian Dutt support Scott Edwards, and they get 104 runs off the final nine overs. It takes them up to 245, and all of a sudden, Netherlands, or Netherlands, South Africa, actually have to bat. They actually have to do something to get the runs they need, and they fail dramatically. Yep. It's a wonderful victory for the Netherlands. The World Cup continues after one shot two days ago. We've got another one. Game on. Yeah, two in three days. Nicely summed up. So the Netherlands made it to 245 for eight in the rain-reduced game in 43 overs. Edwards, you touched on him before. Brilliant. The captain, 78 not out from 69 balls. The bulk of that came at the end. So they're 141 for seven after 34, and they make 103 in their next and final nine overs to get them up to that very competitive tally. Uh, then they inflict a three for six collapse in 15 balls that becomes a four for eight collapse in 19 balls the wheels were falling off for South Africa they're all out for 207 which means the margin of victory for the Dutch is 38 runs it could have been worse they're actually would you believe playing for net run rate the South Africans towards the end but uh, they lost their final wicket from the penultimate delivery Logan Van Beek appropriately picking that up and getting a third a couple for Van Meekeren a couple for Roloff Van der Merwe he was brilliant as was Baz Delita breaking it open one final time two for 36 Cam uh, we've seen a lot of Holland in the last few years they've been in the World Cup Super League they've earned their spot in this tournament that was a tough group to get out of uh, in that qualifier in Zimbabwe we've all been saying to each other occasionally on the podcast they're going to win a game at some point we just don't know which one um, it felt fitting it was against the side they knocked off at Adelaide Oval in the T20 World Cup last year and it, is, it proves a lot of people including myself wrong in that in the first half of this match I've got a friend who has this theory about cricket that if you if you play a level above no matter what standard you are you'll average 20 and you'll be fine, but you just won't be good enough. Yeah. And that's exactly the impression I had with this match in the first 34 overs where I saw two teams competing and one of them was just a bit better than the other one. Yeah. We were just waiting for the inevitable. And then this kind of miraculous kind of final nine overs, we touched on Scott Edwards there, sweeping unbelievably well, being really proactive. Roloff van der Merwe just got a chaotic 29 off 19. I've got a colleague who describes him as playing cricket like a teenager trying to impress a girl. Just complete carnage all the time. And then something that's really overlooked, I think, was Arian Dutt came in at the end. They got 23 off nine. Three sixes in that as well. Completely changes the game. All yeah. of a sudden, takes it to a school where South Africa have to think. And I always think people go, like, oh, you can never be complacent. But that, always, that never counts the times when teams are complacent and they just win because they're better than other teams. All of a sudden, South Africa had to go out and get 240 school ball pressure. And the thing that I can't go over, which I thought was a stroke of genius from the Netherlands, was opening up with the off spinners. Yeah. They had Dutt on for the first over. They followed him in with Ackerman after one, just one over seam mm -hmm. at the other end. And people always talk about matchups and talk about off spin against left handers and trying to have the, that attacking play. I thought it was kind of the opposite. It was like the anti matchup. They were begging this South African top six to take a risk against mm -hmm. them. They're saying, these are meant to be your bank rovers, these are meant to be the overs that you churn away in the middle overs, take us at seven runs and over, and you're fine. No, these are the people you have to target, so target them right now, and are you willing to take that risk with 240 runs still to get? I thought it was a fantastic piece of kind of strategy from the Netherlands, 
and, and it worked handsomely. Well, they were in a holding pattern for the first eight overs, weren't they, until um, Quinton de Kock is out to Ackerman, the offspin of Ackerman, around his front pad, gloves it up in the air, that, that can happen. But it's a couple of overs on from that Temba Vavuma out to the first ball of Roloff and of Irving. You, you mentioned it before, the 64-run partnership with Edwards that just changed everything. Like, if you were simulating that game uh, from where it was at that juncture, 50 for four, the Dutch were, 140 for seven. You know, they're all out 162. That would be a central case, yeah. right? They outperformed that by nearly 100 runs in the final analysis. And, you know, I've been thinking about these these Dutch players through the course of the day. Scott Edwards doesn't even have a cricket info profile. <laughs> he was an electrician in Melbourne playing club cricket. He wanted this so badly, he made it happen. Roloff van der Merwe, he's now 38 years of age. He was a discard in South Africa. But he hung in there. He kept improving. He kept putting himself up for selection after getting his Dutch passport. He keeps playing county cricket, and here he is. Paul Van Meekeren, he's been playing cricket for the Netherlands for a decade. At one point during the pandemic, just to stay afloat, he was working as a delivery driver for Uber Eats. I mean, Arian Dutt, 20 years old. He's the story of migration. He's actually an Amsterdam boy. Yeah. His parents are from India. He was inspired by watching the 2011 World Cup where India won that trophy. And then Logan Van Beek, 11 years playing for Holland after three years waiting, right? He had to wait three years to become eligible after playing underage cricket for New Zealand. He played underage basketball for New Zealand as well. His grandfather was a test cricketer for New Zealand and the West Indies. I mean, a fascinating story, but they all play their role today. Vastly different storylines to get them to this place. It, there's no like production line, if you like, if you're going to be a Dutch cricketer. There, there are... There are ways of getting there. Most of them are unconventional. And the fact that they were able to bind together the way they did to knock off a side that felt like it was kind of, you know, maybe not one, one foot in the semi-final, but the way they played against Australia, they looked daunting. To knock them off the way they have today it says a lot about the way in which these guys have had to want this so badly. It's been the kind of Dutch production line you touched on there. It's a really interesting case study at the moment. Now in Holland, the sport has traditionally been like a posh white sport, basically. Yep. Funny that, familiar, familiar tale. <laughs> and um, the phrase used, I think, by the Dutch journalist Bertus de Jong is that mm -hmm. that, that kind of contained or con constrained but sustained the sport in the country and that it kept going but it was never going to go anywhere. But what's happened of late is you've kind of got this, the cities like Amsterdam, Rotterdam are getting a growing, still only slight South Asian population. And as a result, you're having where previously people would look at this Dutch team and go, just Saffers, or oh, just lads from New Zealand, whatever. Yep, you actually yep. have uh, Amsterdam born and bred boys, such as Aryan Dutt, such as Vikram Singh, such as Shariz Ahmed, who's on the bench for this uh, competition. Yep. And they grew up there. They are out and out Dutch boys. And so you have this change in the demographics of who is playing kind of cricket in Holland. So I remember doing a piece on this last year. And of the 14-man under-19 squad that played in the World Cup for the under-19s, eight were of South Asian descent. So mm. you're having mm. this kind of change in Holland of the way the sports, of, of the fact they are, rather than being this team who kind of rely on the diaspora of around the world to actually being kind of a born and bred Dutch side. And look, they're still going to, to an extent, rely on um, passport players. Absolutely. And that's fine because I guess the point, the overarching point I'm making is if you choose that lifestyle, it's seldom an easy one. Like you've got to leave where you live. You've got to change the whole rhythm of your existing life. You have to try and find a way to keep playing domestic cricket, professional cricket somewhere. But, you know, Scott Edwards isn't doing that. Like I, know, I know he's um, full-time with Holland these days, but he's playing club cricket in Melbourne. A lot of these guys are you know, journeymen 
in the domestic English system, which has been to the disadvantage of Dutch cricket in recent times when they weren't released from their counties to play in the World Cup qualifier, nor were they released by their counties to play against England in a 50-over bilateral series last year. Much of their World Cup Super League fare has been absent players who do well enough to get long-term deals in England. So it's blotchy, it's complicated. I suppose my, my overarching really is is that when they get a little bit of a window and a little bit of a sniff, like it was when they had the chance to haul down that big score against Scotland in Zimbabwe to even make this World Cup, they don't miss out because they know those chances don't come around too often. It's remarkable when you talk about, we keep on talking about Scott Edwards, but we're talking about his sweep shots. I love oh, stuff yeah. like this. So he was on, in this innings today, he was 26 off nine when he's playing the sweep, sweep or reverse sweep. And they're all, and they're all one hand off the bat, right? I mean, he's extending the... That's textbook, that. I mean, it's, I mean, they're all the same. <laughs> you know, you might see one with a prolific sweeper, one hand off the bat, and you'd make note of it on commentary. He does it every single... I mean, it's not by chance, it's by choice, right? And we, we saw this over the first ball he faced off spin today from Maharaj. He swept straight away, four off one ball, and then yep. he tried to block the next four and kind of missed. There was an LBW appeal, I think it might have been a review. It was one of these things where, like, the convention of cricket dictates he's not allowed to sweep every ball, but, ma- but maybe he should. <laughs> and so I pulled up his numbers, um, and in ODI cricket, against spin, he, fa- he sweeps 29% of the deliveries he's faced. So one in three balls against spin, he will sweep, and that's the second most in the database of everything, that's including Jimmy Anderson at number three, who's obviously just doing it because he d- literally cannot play another shot. He does it for the this, social media, mate. Exactly. This yeah. is literally a guy who <laughs> relies and banks on this shot and is well and is world class at it, yeah. despite having this kind of club cricket, grade cricket background. Yeah, that's right. I mean, again, it's it's making uh, the best of what you've got at your disposal, and in Edward's case, it's a mighty sweep shot. So, you know, when he cleans house at the end to finish the innings the way that he did, he brought up his 14th half century for Holland. That's now equal with Ryan Tendiskata. You know, yes. like he, he is. Uh, not the greatest necessarily on, on any metric, but in one day cricket, Tenderskater had an average with a six in front of it. He made 14 half centuries, <laughs> a range of centuries as well. But, you know, that's the level that Edwards is playing at at the moment. He's had a brilliant 2023. Um, and, you know, down the list, you, you mentioned Arian Dutt's three sixes, the the scrappy work of Roland, Roloff van der Merwe. He doesn't always make Somerset's first team. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, he was a subfielder against Middlesex in a home game down there at Taunton. And he just had to get himself involved in the game. Um, the visiting captain was Peter Hanskin, played a ball down to mid-on, didn't realise or, or, or didn't factor in van der Merwe being a brilliant fielder, like we saw yeah. at Adelaide Oval, that catch he took running back with the flight to knock off Phenomenal. South Africa last year. In one motion, flick the stumps down. And that was a turning point in that four-day game. Like, this is this is a guy like that. And he's a, he's a, he's a brawler. The way he celebrates. The way he's in despair when we haven't mentioned Baz Delita's drop <laughs> catch off David Miller. Yeah, I the thought deck. then. I mean, you know, in my notes, I write, you know, uh, bloody hell. All my notes say here. I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be the turning point. We're going to be having a conversation about poor yeah. old Baz Delita. And we discussed him when we covered a Netherlands game the other week with the family history, what his dad was able to achieve in earlier World Cups. But... It was it was fitting that Baz played a role and the and the relief on his face when Miller was finally bowled with that agricultural swipe across the line. And there's two kind of intangibles here, which I don't know how much to kind of state or overstate. One was trying to, I was trying to work out in terms of like competitiveness and and you could refer back to Netherlands beating South Africa in literally the last World Cup match yeah. they played against each other last year in the T20 World Cup. You had, I think it was seven of the Netherlands teams today were involved in that match and right. eight of the Saffirs were as well. So actually you go into this contest where everyone, including myself, goes like, 
routine South African win. Yeah. Whereas actually you've got 15 of the 22 players on that pitch who have experience of being on that side of the result between these two teams. And that's obviously going to play a psychological factor if you're a Dutch player going into that, going like, hang on, we've literally beaten these guys the last time we played against them. Bit of muscle memory, right? Like, you know, we all know what it's like in club cricket. If you've beaten a team before... Just keep going. You just keep, yeah, it doesn't... This happens. This happens in domestic cricket. There's no reason why it can't happen in international cricket. I mean, there's this debate... Is, I can see it already playing out on Twitter. Is this a bigger um, bigger upset than England getting beaten by Afghanistan? I actually don't think it is on the base. And I know that uh, the Dutch are, are an associate member yeah. and Afghanistan are a full member. But the broader complications for Afghanistan in recent years, never having really played a home game, never having the opportunity to really play against England outside of these kinds of tournaments. The Dutch have made the very most of the World Cup Super League. But sure. The sad part of this is that the World Cup Super League no longer there. The Dutch may well qualify for the World Cup in four years' time in the expanded tournament, but they also might not because suddenly they're playing 24 bilateral matches against other um, against 12 full member nations will be taken away from them and their fixture list will diminish accordingly. And I, I think something where I'd go in terms of the Afghanistan game, and I know you can look at the rankings or whatever, fine, okay, but I think something that's potentially might be missed or might be understated in this win is the fact that 14 overs were lost in the game. Yeah, yeah. And so if you look at that card, when Holland are 140 for seven after 34, their hand is forced. They have to turn, they have to attack then. If that's still a 50 over game, Van der Merwe protects his wicket for a little bit longer, mm. bats for Scotty Edwards. And instead they had this moment, they had this little period which turned the game on its head. Say they do attack in the same way, and so they do get to 240 for eight that they finished on. They probably get bowled out in 46, 47 overs. And that run rate pressure isn't the same on South Africa. Right. Yeah. I really genuinely think that though those 14 overs lost really changed the complexion of the match. And it always plays into the favour of the weaker side. If you, the fewer overs you play, the more volatile the match is, the more that helped the Netherlands in this instance. Because and it worked the other way too, right? Because the scoreboard pressure they were able to apply when Van der Merwe takes those two wickets in quick succession. I think the, yes, I the, the was four for eight. Like I think Winvids went from like South Africa, even after losing two quick ones, they were at 75, two more, and yeah. they were down at 40. I mean, it, it, it turns quicker because there, there are fewer overs to make up. No, absolutely. If you, if you have, after three overs... Obviously, there were only 40 overs to go. And so you, you, you literally, it's the same as if you go down to a T20. Say you have two maidens in the T20, all of a sudden you've lost kind of 10% of your overs. Yep. Like the rate's going to fly through the roof. And as soon as you saw that, and as soon as you see, I'm a big believer in that as soon as the run rate goes above six, I don't care who it is. I don't care the standard of the cricket is. It's difficult. You've got to score run every ball. Richie, every ball. Richie Benno over here. That was his old thing. Was run, it? When the run rate gets to six, it was always his thing in one day as in the 80s and 90s. Very, very similar broadcasters. Very, very similar six. spinners. <laughs> very similar standings in the world of cricket, actually, me and Richie. Just on South Africa now, they've, they've blown an opportunity here. They've dropped the game. They should be winning, yeah. having already accounted for Australia and Sri Lanka to start their tournament. I mean, I thought there was there were moments in the field where they, where they started to lose it. Um, that second leg, by was it the penultimate delivery or the final delivery where they get through for two when, when uh, they're too busy appealing for yeah. the league before uh, and not worried about where the ball is they sneak through for a second um, and look they did let it drift at a crucial time there um, you know their batting will have better days than that it was scoreboard pressure principally but I mean in a way what a great three days for Australia Australia have had England drop a game they shouldn't have yeah. lost 
they've won their own fixture against Sri Lanka. That means Sri Lanka are kind of one foot out of the tournament, no room to work with there. And now South Africa are brought back to the pack as well. So totally. it might be one of those World Cups. Or, or I know last time there was one team with five wins that got through, I'm pretty sure. Maybe it was no, New Zealand. No, in England, I think it was six. It was oh, England six got five. six. Did New Zealand get five? Anyway, the point is yep. just that five might be realistic. So therefore, net run rate could be a factor. And it might be quite, quite well, um, it, it, who's to know? The, the way that Ngidi batted towards the end, trying yep. to just stay out there till the bitter end. I, I know we talk about this all the time on The Daily Show and it can be annoying, but it's not It's not irrelevant. If you can eke out an extra you know, tenth of a point on that Absolutely. run rate in a tournament that could get um, log jammed towards the end, you, you've got to think that way. I was, I was thinking about this earlier today. I was thinking back to when, when Jeff spoke on the show about World Cups, ODI World Cups, you've got to have patience. You've got to let mm. these the ebbs and flows play out. The problem with that is I'm a very impatient man. And I was trying to work out, I was like, what does this mean? And actually, it's kind of, as you said, it, the pack's kind of being drawn closer together with the way the results from the last few days. My great fear is I'm thinking it's kind of going to turn out like the current F1 season where you're like, oh, it's, a, it's an exciting race for second. And you've just got <laughs> India being Max Verstappen just winning everything at the right, top. Yeah. But to talk about South Africa specifically, I think one way, one reason they shouldn't be too disheartened by this is that like this is their team is not set up for close contests this is a team that will batter you or get battered they go top six mm. nothing Marky Janssen's a good player cool whatever but he's at seven he's probably placed too high their whole kind of mantra relies on the fact that we will belt you or we'll get belted basically we've got a top six that will take the game away from you or chase down whatever target you set we'll get 300 four down in 40 overs carry on and as soon as it goes beyond that they don't have that safety net basically and so that is kind of the pressure that will always come onto when they're in the chasing environment is that actually that added pressure is added onto Cock and Pavuma is that there's that added responsibility in terms of rather than being like, oh, we'll just, we'll just set a score yeah. and we'll get there. It's actually a case of, uh, well, if we get out, we've only got kind of three more players who can get the runs. Sure. And kind of along with that. So I don't, I don't think there's no world where this South African side we're going to go through this group stage unbeaten or anything and it's kind of a a, a, mess, a method of get to the semi-finals be on full full front attack for a semi-final final win the comp go home yeah and hope it clicks right like it's, yeah. a, it's a boom or bust it's a high ceiling kind of game plan they're playing uh, so we'll keep an eye on them so for what it's worth South Africa uh, their next game is against England uh, on Saturday at the Wanka Day helps you work rest and play in Mumbai and the Netherlands play uh, Sri Lanka not a bad time for the Dutch to get Sri Lanka I loved um, the way in which and this kind of segues into the Hall of Fame actually but well, I'll just mention it on the way through um, that Van der Merwe at the halfway mark was shitty they didn't get two and Edwards was the same like, I, I enjoy and they've said on the record from the outset they're not, the they're not, they want to win the thing we can make they're like we can make the semis yeah. and if we make the semis then we're two wins away from being world champions like it's the absolute correct attitude yeah. to take if you're the Dutch because they have now been successful in so many different games in different tournaments in different setups over four or five years like yeah. it, they, they deserve argument. to be bullshit and having Sri Lanka next up who looked like they are shot entirely um yeah, man, that's on. That's on Saturday at luck. Now that's the early game. I guess the argument is if if you can beat anyone on your day, just make it your day, every every time basically. One thing I wanted to pick up on South Africa. I thought just I was trying to work this out in terms of say they hadn't lost, say they'd won again. There, this this form team going through the competition. Like this is the same side that I was reading the kind of post mortem after they lost against the Netherlands in the T Twenty World Cup and how it was a kind of nation in crisis. Yeah, they sacked off the ODI series against Australia. They've planned the SA Twenty during the Australian the New Zealand Test Series. Mm -hmm. 
And I was kind of like, what? I was trying to work out what it would mean. And this is more of a hypothetical question than anything that if a nation in that state, in that kind of administrative state, in that kind of who's been written off so kind of completely in the last 12 months, actually went and won the ODI World Cup from a place where they'd actually been sacking off ODI series. What does that mean, if anything, for kind of cricket in the wider kind of context of the sport? It's a, it's a very reasonable question and one we will hopefully get the chance to ponder <laughs> if they can bounce back. Uh, time for the final word, Hall of Fame. Final word, Hall of Fame is brought to you by Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. Half term's coming up, Cam. Oh, yeah. um, I don't really know what half term means because I was schooled in Australia. Yeah. But as you can hear, you can probably hear through yeah. the microphone, Winnie's going nuts upstairs. She goes to school next year. I will learn what half term means. Well, cool. In summary, is it a week off or two weeks off? What's going on there? It's a week off. Week off, week off. halfway through the term. And Hence how many the terms name. are there, though? There's it's three terms. Yeah, so in Australia, term. there are yeah. four, and I think that's, you know. That feels excessive. Yeah, four shorter terms might be here, three. So shorter. actually, you just go for three main holidays, and we go for a half term on each case yeah. because we want to go to Westfield Stratford and Westfield London more. quite quite right yeah. and if the action on the field has given you a hankering for some international cuisine why wouldn't why wouldn't it after a day like today there's no better time to fill your tum from family friendly favorites like Bill's yeah I cop that to the reimagined Indian street food of Bindas Eatery where Jeff and I have been there's one option for every Steve Smith pre-delivery quirk nice good copy and with dozens of places for the whole family to skate, bowl, golf, bat, and more, there really is no be better place for half-term and a day out than Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. Hit some dingers. Uh, fill your boots. More extra, less ordinary. Cam, uh, you can open the batting. What, what is it? Um, yeah, I see you Googling Dutch food there. Um, yeah. Dutch food... You often get lovely Indonesian food in, in Amsterdam, don't you? I mean, that's a whole, that's yeah, the whole colonization thing. I don't want to get into this, but that, that is a, a nice part of going to that part of the world. They've got, they've got the little kind of small pancakes, which are called like perifragic. I can't pronounce it. I really can't. And they've also got that beer snack where it's like deep fried kind of meat, kind of roux thing. And it goes with a beer. I don't know what it's called, but it'll be at Westfield. It's fine. I'm sure it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we got together last year as part of the Amsterdam One Day Internationals. Invite them back England outside. Yeah. The, there's no World Cup Super League anymore. Send a send a England A team and call it a one-day international. It doesn't matter. Status. Do, they send A yeah. teams everywhere regardless. Have a European knockout once a year. Rotate it from Dublin to Edinburgh to Amstelveen. Oh. And England are the touring team on each occasion. Play it in April or May as a season Kickstarter. Make it T20 format. Make it one-day format. I don't care. I just want to go back to Amsterdam for a cricket tour because it was so much fun yeah. last year. Now to the Hall of Fame. I'm distracted. Um, I've got two. Yep. One was, and this is a very small one, Arian Dutt was using, he was whacking these sixes with this really sexy Reebok bat. I saw that. And, yeah. and it was really bringing back memories and I couldn't work out where they'd come from because I thought, at first I thought it was MS Dhoni and or Verinda Sewag. Yep. Looked it up and it wasn't the same brand but it looked fucking wicked uh, and the second one was just to kind of to reinforce how much of a disastrous defeat this was for South Africa and that they've been beaten by the Tim Port South African B team is when the camera <laughs> went on the Dutch lads subs at the end in the dugout they were waving at the camera like they're in the stand like they weren't on TV enough <laughs> the Dutch fans like, were great today there was so many they did have the yeah, TV they were 12 men apparently <laughs> you can't you're on TV you're, you're literally winning at the World Cup and they're like you're right, guys. How you doing? Oh, I'm on TV. Yeah. Hi, Mum. Uh, Max O'Dowd's piece of paper. That's yeah. featured a couple of times sure. in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah, be prepared. Be Absolutely. prepared. I like that Max O'Dowd. Not captain, remember. He's the one that's got the matchups written down like a penalty shootout goalkeeper at the end. Um, what's going to be the trick there is someone getting that piece of paper and ripping it up on the field. Yeah. yeah. Um, who is the prick who will do that? Who's got the personality who will, who will dig or, into his or pocket? It's like, or it's like a fake plan. 
It's like right. they, it's like when British Army tucked a oh, right. note yeah, in like yeah, the yeah. the body and they showed that was a bit dark, but there we go. No, no, I know what you're saying. And, um, um, I, I, so I like that again. I enjoyed uh, the work of the third umpire and to my deep chagrin, I didn't write down who it was. You know the good thing about um, making a podcast like this, we can um, check who the third umpire is and I can pad for time and I can tell you that the third umpire uh, was, um, uh, I can't even find it on the page. Shafadullah, Shafadullah, who, who at one stage, there was a leg side, down the leg side, caught behind appeal, I think it was. Yeah. And he goes, I already know that's not going to be given out on review for leg before. Yeah. We're skipping that. Normally, the third umpires by default get Perfect. nervous and yeah. do that. So well played to the third umpire. You were a crick um, info rather than crick buzz user. You'd have got that quicker. I yeah, I, I yeah. kind of bounce between the two. It's, it's, not, it's not personal. I've worked with both <laughs> websites. I'm keen to work for Kim again in the future if that's to be. I'm not only one website these okay. days. Uh, Dirk Nannis, yeah. um, he's Melbourne forever, isn't he? I mean, some things that he says, you know, that you know, he can be Dutch. He is a former Dutch international. But when he describes net run rate as boosting the percentage, and that, that'll mean nothing to you, but to our listeners in pretend, Melbourne, that's yeah. a very, very footy term, boosting the percentage. Nice. So good on you, Dirkie, for that. Uh, and um, what else did I have here? Oh, the non-striker killer from Edwards to roll off Van der Merwe. And that. the style points for Van der Merwe jumping out the way, uh, the way that... He did. They're my he, Hall of Fame options. He ran the most ridiculous two, Van der Merwe. He sprinted right down the middle of the track. It was at the end of the innings. And you know, everyone knows what you're doing. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. And then he took this widest burst to get back. And it was kind of, I was just like, well, you, I feel like you're putting on like a show of like just extra energy where it's not required. And it really, it actually irritated me quite a lot from the other side of the world. And the other one that got me was, um, I can't remember who it was on comms, but they went, it was when uh, Max O'Dowd's piece of paper came out. They went, are you telling me they can look at like data? online it can tell them which bowler to bowl at which batter and i was like i I think it was a setup to like start a conversation i was like yeah i I think that i think they might do that i think they might also be sat in the back of the box giving you information to talk about on screen as well. I mean, Bob Woolmer had the had the earpiece in the Hansi Cronje in the I World Cup, and they should have kept that. I quite like the earpiece thing. You should never have had that taken away. Uh, tomorrow, it's New Zealand against Afghanistan. I can't remember where that game is, but I'll be doing it with Jeff. Jeff's, I think, in... Chennai, Bangalore, maybe one or the other. He's somewhere. Jeff's in India. Um, Cam, you'll be back with us on the weekend. This has been the Final Word Daily, a famous day for Dutch cricket, victorious over South Africa. Our coverage, as always, is for West Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. Talk tomorrow. Bye. I had to get.